I can hardly wait. You're keeping good company with W-A-T-H. Is that you, Scott? There's a bird in here again. Oh. Well, what kind of bird? A whistling bird. Hmm. Beautiful sunshine this morning. Certainly plenty of haze earlier. It's disappearing rapidly. Going to get up to 83 degrees. Presently, it's 61. It's a Friday, folks. TGIF. We had the uh, most uh, odd phone call a moment ago um, on my cell phone from a a national advertising agency. And I said, I'm going on the air. And he said, well, I just got to give you the good news. And he says, your station, the FM station, has, uh, which is WXTQ, Power 105, has had a quadruple jump in its ratings. And your AM's not doing too bad either. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, kudos to us. Yeah, that's a great way to open the morning. Sure is. Yeah. Well, today is September 16th, folks. It was a mina bird earlier. M-Y-N-A, mina. Are they talking birds? I don't know. I think they are. I do like birds. I've never had one as a pet. But when I go to the pet stores, I go and I'll put my finger out and they'll crawl up on my finger. You know what I mean. And I look it over and it it looks at me. and But, but you know, I got two wonderful dogs. And um, I, I only have so much time to take care of everything, right? Yeah. So even though I've always thought it'd be neat to have a, what's the term? Not exotic bird. Um, Parrot. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain word I was trying to think of. Not exotic. Um, tropical? Yes, a tropical bird. I've not done it. But anyway. What? What? What's that? This is Talking bird. Oh, I see. You're on your computer. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, today, as I said, it's September 16th. I have a... Let's see... Ohio's out of um, Ohio football's on the road this weekend, right? Yes, at Iowa State. Kickoff at 2 p.m. Pre-game at 1. Tomorrow? Yep. Okay. And then they return home. I can't wait. So, um, Mark and Mindy Heftel, um, Heftel, 
Um, Heflin. Heflin, thank you. Um, they're sitting with me this year. And they're such a nice couple. And, of course, they're also keenly involved in athletics with the uh, Athletes in Action program. So, let's see. And we got Pawpaw Festival this weekend. Mm-hmm. I have uh, two neighbors who have said, please bring me back a pawpaw. I've never tasted <coughs> one. <coughs> so I have my orders set. And I think it's tomorrow morning I'm going out to uh, to visit the fest. Although it's a two-day event, take it in any part you want. Or go to all of it. You know, I, Kim and Ruth brought in some one day for their show, Make It Happen. Yeah. And they, <coughs> excuse me, wanted me to sample it on the air to see what I thought. And I'd never had one. And it was pretty good. And it tasted to me like a cross between an apple and a pear. I didn't get the banana it, it, flavor. The banana is very uh, subtle, very subtle. But If it me, had been more, forma- more uh, up front, I would not have liked it as much. Yeah, for me, it was a cross between an apple and a pear. And, folks, if you're wondering, why do I object to, you know, if you listen to this show for any length of time, you know that I got sick. I overate on bananas down in Ecuador, and these were fresh off the tree, and there's nothing better. But I overate them. And so uh, it's one of those things I, I don't have an interest in anymore. All right. Well, anyway, let's see. September 16th it is. Today is National Working Parents Day. It's National Guacamole Day. You like that? Guac? guac? Yeah, that's not bad. I do. Yeah. It's National Play-Doh Day. It's Mayflower Day. Are they talking about the ship? I assume. Either that or the flower. Isn't there a Mayflower? I don't know. Maybe you can look it up. National Mayflower Day. Let's go on while we're waiting. National Tradesman Day. National Step Family Day. National POW slash MIA. So Prisoner of War or Missing in Action Recognition Day. National Cinnamon Raisin Bread Day. Mm. Growing up when my mom would do that, that was a favorite. Anyway, lots of things today. So what did we come up with on this? Uh, Mayflower Day commemorates the day the ship set sail okay. from Plymouth, England in 1620 on September 16th of 1620. The Mayflower set sail. With 102 passengers, the colonists, men, women, children, some seeking fortune, some seeking religious freedom, were later known as pilgrims. They intended to land in Virginia. Storms and winds blew them up to modern-day Cape Cod, and uh, they intended on exploring the mouth of the Hudson River. Did they have a hotel up there? I'm sure they did. It's the same chain 
uh, that folks are still looking for in shade. Okay. The Holiday Inn in Shade. Yeah, yeah. Ohio as uh, Woody, Woody, uh, Woody who, Simpson. Woody Simpson used to look for yeah. on his morning radio broadcast here. Folks, our phone number is uh, 740-592-6646. How many of you remember Woody Simpson? Me? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember him from when I was a kid. He was uh, he was here when I arrived in 1973. And um, just a good guy. Lived in Cambridge, Ohio. But he had an... Uh, little apartment down here so he'd come down on Monday mornings and do his show Monday through Friday and then return to Cambridge on Friday afternoons yeah Woody Simpson the squire of the Hocking Valley that just came back to me that we have put I had added that moniker to him moniker that's the right term isn't it mm-hmm. yeah all right well, oddly, <coughs> after asking you about Mayflower Day, when I go to the next report that I have, it says, in 1620, the Mayflower departs Plymouth, England, with 102 pilgrims and about 30 crew members for the New World. And then it says, O dot, this is in parenthesis, O dot S dot, 6 September wonder what that means. Hmm. Oh, well. Um, let's Official see. Official ship? I don't know. Yeah, September 6th. Well, I don't know. Maybe originally scheduled? Maybe they were delayed 10 days? Could be. Maybe that's it. Okay. In 1795 on this date, the British capture Cape Town, South Africa... From the Dutch. In 1810, on this date, Mexico issues the Grito de Dolores, calling for the end of the Spanish rule, uh, celebrated now as Mexican Independence Day. Grito de Dolores. Why... Is that Spanish for something, or it sounds more like a person's name? Anyway, uh, 1848, slavery was abolished in all French territories. That's good. 1906 on this date, Douglas Mawson, Edgeworth David, and Alastair McKay to have discovered the magnetic South Pole in Antarctica. Uh, you know, this, this is just popping in my mind, and I, things happen like that all the time for me. One of the fellows I went to school with at Worthington High School in middle school and elementary too. 
his last name started with H. Well, in any case, his father was a very well-known professor at Ohio State. But he was even better known as probably the foremost, most knowledgeable person about Antarctica. And um, well, that just came to me. The magnetic South Pole. 1963, the Federation of Malaysia, formed by Malaya, Singapore, British North Borneo, and they have in parenthesis here Sabah, S-A-B-A-A, and Sarawak, 1963. 1978, 25,000 people die in a 7.7 magnitude earthquake over in um, Iran. You say Iran or Iran? Uh, <coughs> either, either one. I usually say Iran okay. or Iran. <coughs> I Iran, guess I think Iran. I th- Iran, that sounds m- more proper, doesn't it? Of, uh, the, yeah, of, the four, of the four choices. Yeah. I'll, I'll give in to that one. I, Iran, Iran. Iraq, Iran. Yeah. Iran. <laughs> I'm running. I jog. Yes. Um, never mind. I needed humor. 1997, Apple Computer Incorporated names its co-founder, Steve Jobs, the interim CEO. All right, let's do some birthdays. Okay, before you get to that, I found the meaning of OS with the Mayflower ship there. Okay. Remember we were just talking about that? Okay, it stands for old style, OS, and new style, NS, Indicate dating systems before and after a calendar change, respectively. Usually, this is the change from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Which is generally 10 days difference, yeah, right? Yeah, as enacted in various European countries between 1582 and the 20th century. So, the OS was apparently the old style for the Julian calendar. I get it now. Not sure I need it, but yeah. I mean, if we were trying to think what that stood for, yeah. Well, we we we, we figured it out. Well yeah. done. Well yeah. Done. Okay. Now, famous birthdays. Ard Schenk. S C H E N K. And the first name A R D. Um, I don't think I've ever heard this name before. I don't think I have either. Ard Schenk is a former speed skater from the Netherlands who is considered one of the best in history. Hmm. His first Olympic success came in 1968 when he won a silver medal at the 1968 Winter Olympics. Well, he is celebrating his 78th birthday today. Okay, James Cash Penny. And I'm just going to jump out here based upon the way it's spelled and think he, J.C. Penny, right? Yes. 
American businessman and entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur who founded the J.C. Penney stores in 1902. We used to have one here in that. Yeah, that was nice to have that. 1875, his birth on this date, died in 1971. Okay, B.B. King, certainly know him. Born on this date in 1925, he died in 2015. B.B. King. Riley B. King, known professionally as B.B. King, was an American blues singer-songwriter, guitarist, and record producer. He introduced a sophisticated style of soloing based on fluid string bending, shimmering, vibrato, and staccato picking that influenced many later blues electric guitar players. Oh, yeah. For sure. I met his daughter here when she performed in Athens. Shirley King. Yes, I've forgotten about that. She was cool. Okay, and the final one, Carl Donitz. Donitz, Donitz, D-O-N. And there's two little dots over the O. D-O-N-I-T-Z. Born on this date in 1891. Died in 1980. He was a German admiral who briefly succeeded Adolf Hitler as head of state in May 1945, holding the position until the dissolution of Flensburg government following Germany's unconditional surrender to the Allies days later. Okay, this next one I bet we can figure out without too much looking up. This is a famous death. Born in 1686, died in 1736, his name Daniel Gabriel Fahrenheit. You figured? Yes. He was a physicist, inventor, and scientific instrument maker. Born in Poland to a family of German extraction, he later moved to the Dutch Republic at age 15, where he spent the rest of his life. And one more famous death, Louis the, let's see here, Louis the 18th. I had to figure out the Roman numerals. X-P-I-I-I. Mm-hmm. And uh, born in 1755, died in 1824. He was known as the Desired, was the King of France from 1814 to 1824 except for a brief interruption during the Hundred Days in 1815. He spent 23 years in exile during the French Revolution and the First French Empire during the Hundred Days. Now, on September 16th, Mad Monk burns 2,000 at the stake with convictions similar to the Nazis 500 years later, Spain's 15th century Grand Inquisitor wanted to drive the Jews from his country. Wow. See if I misread this or what. He burned 2,000 people at the stake? That's what it appears to sound like. Just imagine the cruelty of that. Because of a religious belief. Oh, well. Yeah, there's a lot of that 
sort of thing in our history, isn't it? Yep. Well, that you'll be persecuted for their religious beliefs. I brought a report in a couple of days ago, and just this morning, I think we'll take a moment and look at it. And um, please don't read anything into this. Just, just understand or listen. This is entitled Five Reasons Long-Term Marriages End in Divorce. It goes on, midlife breakups are more common now than a generation ago. The author of this is Robin Flanagan. Um, okay, marriage can be tough. And some find that staying married for the long haul is even tougher. Actor Sylvester Stallone and his wife, Jennifer Flavin, recently announced their splitting up after 25 years of marriage. And when high-profile couples split up decades after tying the knot, everyone wants to know how it can happen after all that time together. Last year, billionaire philanthropists Bill and Melinda Gates told the world that their 27-year marriage was over. Former Vice President Al Gore and his wife, Tipper, they entered their marriage after 40 years. Though not divorced, actors Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman separated after 30 years together. But midlife breakups are much more common than they were a generation ago. Older adults today are much less likely to be willing to remain in what we call empty shell marriages, says Susan L. Brown. She's the coordinator, I'm sorry, she's the co-director of the National Center for Family and Marriage Research, and that's up at, a, at Bowling Green. State University here in Ohio. The fact the divorce rate for people older than 50 doubled between 1990 and 2010, though it has remained stable since then, according to Brown's research. As of 2019, that's 10 divorced people per 1,000 married. And these are folks full, uh, who are 50 and older. Marriage now is more about self-fulfillment and personal happiness than it was decades ago, Brown observed. Again, Brown is this uh, professor up at uh, Bowling Green. And she goes on to say, and we have very high expectations as to what constitutes marital success. So what are some of the main culprits that lead to divorce after a long union? Well, we've got them numbered here. First, infidelity. Susie Brown, 74, says she tried for three long agonizing years to persuade her husband to break off an affair with somebody he met at work 
But ultimately, after 33 years of marriage, she filed for divorce. Brown of Kansas City, Missouri, was devastated, hurt, sad, and furious. She found herself doing things she never would have expected, such as hiding behind bushes in the parking lot across from her former spouse's apartment, and doing so at 2 a.m. to see if the woman was there. Well, much has changed for Brown since then. As a self-identified midlife divorce survivor, she started the website Midlife Divorce Recovery back in 2007. This was after the release of her book, Radical Recovery, Transforming the Despair of Your Divorce into an Unexpected Good. That's the title of the book. She offers programs for women and men, as well as one-on-one calls to help with painful, overwhelming feelings divorce often brings. Incidentally, Brown, who remarried in 2004, has a lot of adjectives for her life these days. And they're positive. Here are four words. Good. Fun, adventurous, purposeful. A quote, One of my greatest defeats has turned into something that I feel proud of because I've been able to to help so many people, she says. Life happens, and we have to figure out how to move on. Okay, so infidelity is number one. Number two, for all of this, Money issues. In the American Psychological Association 2020 Stress in America survey, 64% of adults said money is a significant source of stress in their lives. And because different people often manage money in different ways, conflicts easily arise. It's not always about how much money a couple has, says Karen Covey, a divorce coach and and divorce attorney in Chicago. People want what money means to them. There's a whole emotional component to it. For example, a classic example of marital tension over money is the spender versus the saver. For the spender, money equals freedom. For the saver, it represents security. Spenders may view savers as frugal or miserly, and savers may view spenders as frivolous or wasteful. Another common source of conflict is when one partner agrees to stay home with the kids while the other supports the family financially. After the children are grown, though, the financial supporter often wants the stay-at-home spouse to enter or return to the workforce. But that spouse may not be able or willing to find outside work. Both spouses have different perspectives about the deal and who broke it. 
that is why you have to deal with issues as they come up, because the longer you let them go, the more resentment builds. There comes a tipping point, and if one spouse lets the other go over their tipping point, game over. Okay, what's the third thing? Lack of communication. There's poor communication, and then there's harmful communication. The Gottman Institute, which has studied couples' behavior since the mid-1990s, uses the four horsemen of the apocalypse as a metaphor or the communication styles that, according to the Institute's research, can predict the end of a relationship. The four styles are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, which appears to be the most common predictor of divorce, the second one. Contempt. Once again, the four criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Contempt covers us from our past. Start, let me, I read that sentence entirely wrong. Contempt serve, 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 serves, <laughs> severs. I'll get this right. Contempt severs us from our past. It leads us to cut ourselves off from others, pull inwards, and end up alone. Okay, what's the fourth item? Empty nest. In the summer of 2019, once his two two daughters were grown, Dan... Rico. Well, Dan realized that he and his wife had been living separate lives long enough, focusing more on raising their children than on connecting with each other, and so he decided to end his 24-year marriage. This is a quote I've said, I've been reflecting, and we're doing and what we're doing here is not how I want to spend the last third of my life. Recalls Mr. Tricarico, who's 57 years of age, lives in San Diego. He goes on, when you're starting down the barrel at 60, when we, sorry, when you're staring down the barrel at 60, you start to think about those things. The corona pandemic hit before the couple were able to divide the household, so the newly split husband and wife wound up quarantining with their children, a situation that the husband hoped would bring he and his wife closer together. But it didn't work. He moved out in January of 2021. Although he'd always considered himself a mate-for-life kind of guy, he doesn't think the decision or his marriage was a mistake. 
Sometimes you just move in different directions and have different priorities and don't have the shared path anymore. Well, this, I could go on and really there's not a whole lot more here but I don't, I don't want to make this the f- main focus of our show today. The point is, um, if you Google uh, five reasons long-term marriages end in divorce, end in, bo- end in divorce. It will give you some more um, information. All righty. About 11 minutes remaining today. In the New York Times, they have an article that says, Good morning. Dozens of lawmakers trade stocks related to their work and it's harming trust in the government. Yeah, that's that seems a little bit... You know, if you could do something to help a company that you've invested in, that the proper action? Well, I don't, you know, it depends on the case, right? So basically, I would call this conflicts of interest. Members of Congress have access to information that ordinary Americans don't. They meet with chief execs, chief executives. They read classified intelligence reports. And they help set the rules by which the economy works. That level of knowledge can give them an advantage if they or their families want to invest in the stock market. And many of them do. Nearly one in five members of Congress from both parties have in recent years bought stocks that intersected with their Congressional Committee work. And that's probably an underestimate because lawmakers' work extends beyond their committee duties in many cases. So, let's see here. Among the conflicts uncovered, the wife of Representative Alan Lowenthal. Now, he's a California Democrat, member of Congress, sold Boeing shares a day before a House committee that he sits on released a report exposing the company's mishandling of its 737 MAX jet which had been involved in two deadly crashes. 
another example. Representative John Rose, a Republican of Tennessee, sold $100,000 worth to um, 250000 dollars in Wells Fargo stock a few months before a committee he is on re- released a report that was critical of the bank. A third example, Senator Tommy Tuberville. He's from Alabama, a Republican, and he's on the Armed Services Committee. He and his wife sold options tied to Microsoft less than two weeks before the company lost a $10 billion contract with the Defense Department. Um, By the way, if you want to see if any other senators were involved, there's a list that I believe the New York Times has published. So you could look up anybody you want. Well, in many of these cases, little or no evidence directly links congressional work to a purchase or a sale. But most lawmakers questioned about potential conflicts of interest say that they followed the law or that a relative or broker with no knowledge of their congressional work made a purchase or a sale. But that demonstrates the problem. Lawmakers can profit from their inside knowledge while remaining within the bounds of the law, but creating, at the minimum, the appearance of a conflict of interest. Well, consequently, there's kind of widespread distrust. The trades exacerbate many voters sense that politicians put their own interests above the public's or the country's. That, in turn, helps fuel Americans' distrust of the government. Congress, in particular, consistently scores poorly in surveys about confidence in institutions. Even the past three three presidents we've had have worked hard to try to restore that trust only to discover that they themselves um, weren't fully trusted in that regard. Well, it's something you should look into if it if it holds more interest to you. And again, the New York Times is one place to start, but there are many other sources as well. Four minutes remaining. What's what are your plans for the weekend, Scott? Football. Yeah. <coughs> and Probably what? Some... Um, which ones are in particular focused? Oh, uh, well, the Bobcats, obviously. Taking on uh, Iowa State. Iowa State's uh, been a pretty good team the last few years. And my guess is the Bobcats are uh, the underdog. 
So if they could go in there and pull off an upset, that would be cool. That game is tomorrow? Yep, tomorrow at 2 p.m. 2 p.m. At, at Iowa State, pregame on Power 105. The flagship of the Ohio Bobcats, I believe it will start at 1. Okay. So you can tune in for all the live exciting action. Uh, TV is ESPN+. Plus, So you have to have that package in order to see it. All right, so uh, okay. you can catch it there if you have that ESPN+. Plus package uh if not uh you can listen to it on power 105 and uh the game is in ames iowa obviously the home of iowa state and tomorrow night the ohio state buckeyes will host the mid-american conference uh, one of the preseason favorites toledo rockets toledo was picked to win the western division along with i believe northern illinois uh depends on which poll you look at but uh, Toledo will be one of the better teams in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, they will be playing in the horseshoe tomorrow night. Uh, kickoff is at 7. Pre-game, I believe, will be right around 5.30 here on 970 WATH. And uh, incidentally, since we've had the maintenance done to this signal, I've noticed the AM signal sounds much more clear and much better, too. So you can catch it here. A 970 or 97.1 FM. And um, high school football tonight here on 970 WATH as uh, the Athens Bulldogs will uh, host the Vinton County Vikings at uh, Rutterfield at Joe Burrow Stadium. Vinton's supposed to be good, right? Yeah, Vinton's uh, having a decent year this year. And I'm not sure who the game of the week is, but I want to say it's uh, Alexander tonight uh the spartans i believe uh they will be hosting wellston too so uh, you can check it out on power so, 105 so both athens and alexander hosting games uh let me verify that first no the game is at vinton county i'm oh, sorry okay okay yes it is the uh power 105 game of the week tonight uh let's see which is athens at vinton i'm sorry what, at, uh, Alexander at Wellston is the game of the week. Okay. The Spartans at Wellston. But Athens then, Bulldogs will be. Uh, let me make sure of this now before we. Yeah, we don't want to send people we go to any the further. wrong stadium. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, Athens will be at home against oh, Vinton okay. County. Okay. Uh, at uh, Rutterfield and Joe Burrow Stadium, 7 p.m. kickoff for both games. Pre-game will be. I'm, about I'm sure we minutes. have confused people. Let's do it one more time. Okay. Athens will be hosting, hosting Vinton County. Yes. On the plains at in Joe Burrow Stadium, and and the game of the week on Power 105 will be the Alexander Spartans at the Wellston Golden Rockets. So Alexander at Wellston on okay. Power 105. There we go. There we go. All right. So that's it. Uh, maybe a little yard work, too. Did some last night. Going to do some today. Um, once again, it's um, we're headed up to 83. It says it's still 63, but it looks like it should be a little warmer than that outside at the moment. But we're headed up to 83 today, 86 tomorrow, 87 Sunday, and even 91 next Wednesday. Folks, we want you to have a wonderful weekend. And um, 
stick around. We'll have some more fun next week, okay? Take care out there. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. Mass graves found in a Ukrainian town recently recaptured from Russia. Here's CBS's Deborah Pata in Ukraine. A grim discovery here in Izium. This forest is filled with the bodies of dozens upon dozens of civilians buried in shallow graves. Some of them killed when Russian tanks and artillery rained down on this town. Others executed. Over the next few days, the grim task of exhuming and identifying the bodies begins. Each victim here is loved by someone, a personal trauma for those who mourn them, and another national tragedy for war crimes prosecutors to investigate. President Biden meets today with the families of two Americans imprisoned in Russia. He wanted to let them know that they remain uh, 